Stuck in traffic in Jackson or Meridian? Or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs? MPB goes with listeners wherever they go. Your company's message can go along too. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, May 8th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, are you and your family prepared for hurricane season? We'll get pointers from the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency as we mark Hurricane Preparedness Week. We'll also get an independent gauge of how well Mississippi is prepared for health emergencies. And state education officials prepare to take over two struggling county systems. We'll have those stories and your Southern Remedy Health Minute. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The 2019 hurricane season is less than a month away. It starts June 1st and runs through November 30th. The landfall of Tropical Storm Gordon last September marked the second straight year that Mississippi has been impacted by a tropical system. So all this week, the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency is observing Hurricane Preparedness Week. We spoke with Ray Coleman, MEMA's Director of External Affairs, about critical steps you can take to prepare yourself for the worst. In preparation of hurricane season, we just want to make sure that you have all of your plans, um, kind of all your ducks in a row. What I mean by that is, any evacuation plans that you may have. You may not want to leave your home, uh, but in case of emergency, and you have to know where you're going, know what route you're going to take, know if you're going to stay with family or if you're going to stay in a hotel. All of those things have that discussion now. A family communications plan is one of the things that I think is most important because if you are just so happen to get separated, you want to know where your family can link up, where you all can meet together. Have a person that lives out of state that can serve as that central contact person for everybody to reach out to in case you get separated. We always preach an emergency supply kit, not just in hurricane season, but all season. But it's, it's great for hurricane season because it's all the things that you would need in case you have to leave your home at a moment's notice. So bottled water, extra clothes, blankets, uh, batteries, your medication, things that you would need to take with you to sustain for 72 hours, maybe even up to a week. Because as we know, if there's a devastating tropical system that makes landfall, emergency responders may not be able to get to you immediately. So you're going to have to be on your own. So, so take every precaution that you can now to be ready for hurricane. Is that emergency kit the same for staying put as opposed to leaving the area? I would say leaving the area um, would, would have a little bit more um, simply because you, you're going to have to leave and you're probably going to have to leave for an extended amount of time. I think a lot of times we feel like we, we have, you know, we have what we need, right? We got water. We may even have a couple of canned goods, and that's great. But I say, what do you use every day? What I mean by that, your cell phone. Well, make sure you have a charger, backup battery. If you take medications every day that you have to take, make sure that you have that with you, ready to go at a moment's notice. If you're going to leave your home and have to be gone for an extended amount of time, you may want to check with your pharmacy to see if you can get another month subscription ahead of time, things like that. So that's what I mean about being proactive and understanding that you may have to be away from your home for a long time. And so what would you need if you can't go back into your home? It would also seem that if you're staying in place, cash would be better than having a credit card or a debit card. Absolutely. Cash is always good in these times. I know a lot of folks don't carry cash anymore because we're in the electronic age, but you got to remember ATM machines are not going to be readily available if a tropical system makes landfall. Um, they may not even be around, to be quite honest. 
So take take as much cash as you can or that you feel comfortable with because in some certain cases you may only be able to use cash to purchase goods. So that's that's another great tip in uh, putting in that emergency supply kit. Ray, what do you do if you're at home and a, a hurricane is moving into the area or it's forecast to move into the area? Sure. Well, my, my first thing that I always tell folks is don't panic. You know, here in Mississippi, we get a little bit of everything when it comes to natural disasters. So you don't need to panic. We have great leadership from the state level all the way down to your local level. So if you live in those coastal areas, listen to the advice of your emergency officials, whether it be Hancock County, Harrison, Jackson, uh, Stone County, if we're talking about going further north. They are in tune with us. We are in tune with them to know exactly what they need. So listen to their advice. If they're calling for an evacuation, you need to pay attention and do so. Um, if they are not, then I'm not going to tell you to, to evacuate unless you feel like it's necessary for you and your family. Uh, but my, my first tip would be listen to the advice of the emergency officials. During a hurricane, um, storm surge is the number one killer. So we're not talking about so much damage and winds, but we want to get folks to um, they live in low-lying areas and near that coastline. We want to get them as far north as possible. So that would be my advice. If you live in those coastal areas close to the Gulf, make sure that you get as far north as possible. Now, there's a difference between a voluntary evacuation and a mandatory evacuation. Does the mandatory evacuation come as the storm is getting closer to land than the voluntary? That is correct. Voluntary evacuations are normally going to happen, you know, around 72 hours. Um, and, and, and it's just as it sounds, you know, if people who want to get out and get an early head start on, on any kind of evacs, then you can go ahead and do so. If your officials call for a mandatory evacuation, they know that life-threatening um, conditions are on the way, which means we've gotten a little bit more information that, that tells us the storm surge is going to be big time, that the winds are going to be catastrophic. They're going to call for that mandatory evacuation, and, and, and I think we should know by now um, the risks that go with that, and they should understand that, Emergency officials are not going to call for a mandatory evacuation if it's not needed. So if they do, you've got to take that seriously and put all of those preparations into motion. MPB works with MEMA to be on the air and provide crucial information. But talk about other options having to do with contraflow or shelters that are open or shelters that are friendly to animals, that sort of thing. Absolutely. So each county has their own kind of evacuation plan, right? So if you live in those lower six counties, my first piece of information or advice to you would be reach out to your county emergency management office. They have all of that information for you. When it comes to shelters, you would want to go ahead and call ahead of time and find out if those shelters are pet friendly. Um, if you're, if you're a, a person who doesn't want to be in a cohabitated shelter, you want to look at that ahead of time as well. So there are so many shelters that are going to be provided by, let's say, American Red Cross, or that are just going to be provided by the county in general, it, it just depends. You want to go ahead and do that research ahead of time. You know, if, if it's something where it's a, a last-moment decision when you get out, you just want to go someplace where you're safe, and I get that. So at that point, maybe the option is not, you know, where am I most comfortable, but where am I safe? But if you want to do that research ahead of time, we always, always encourage you to reach out to your local emergency management office so you can start doing that homework now. Ray, how do you fight complacency? You know, I think about two years ago when Hurricane Nate was threatening and it did incredible damage before it came ashore. And it was supposed to come ashore as a really strong storm. Thankfully, it was a Category 1 by the time it hit Mississippi. So people were like, oh, gee, I left for no reason and it cost me a lot of money to leave and I didn't have to. So how do you address that? It's tough because, you know, we all go back to Hurricane Katrina because that was the last, you know, uh, 
catastrophic nationwide threat that everybody remembers here in Mississippi. And so when you don't have something that measures up to that, we all get complacent. But the problem is it only takes one. Um, that that's always been our, our logo, our slogan, if you will, when we're talking about hurricanes. You know, even this year, their forecasts are not such an active season, and people think, oh, it's not going to be as many tropical systems as last year. But it only takes one to ruin your life, to ruin your day. Um, so we just we just practice. Please take this seriously, because at the end of the day, you, we may only see one tropical system that actually affects a part of the, the you know the continental United States but it could be the one that hits Mississippi. And if it does and you're not prepared for it, it's going to take you a long time to get your life back in order. So while we have these blue sky days, if there, is, if there ever is such a thing in Mississippi when we have these tornadoes going on, go ahead now and do the legwork. Talk to your family about what you're going to do. Get your finances in order. Insurance is a huge deal this time of year when we're talking about folks that live on the coast between flood insurance um, and just homeowners insurance in general. These are the things that can help you rebuild your life much more quickly than depending on the state and federal government to come in and help you rebuild after the fact. Ray Coleman is MEMA's Director of External Affairs. Thank you, Ray. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You can find more information on hurricane preparedness at msema.org. Coming up, two local school systems become the first to join a statewide district designed to turn around struggling schools. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. Pallet to Pallet is back with Chef Robert St. John and artist Wyatt Waters. Join us this week on Pallet to Pallet. We spend the entire episode in the Walter Anderson Museum. And I get to paint in the beautiful community center with all those great murals. And we have a special guest you're never going to believe who drops by. Join us this week on Pallet to Pallet. Right. See you there. That's Pallet to Pallet. Thursday at 7.30 on MPB Television. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi's new superintendent for underperforming schools is talking with staff and the community about what may lie ahead for districts the Department of Education is taking over. MPB's Desiree Fraser reports. Mississippi's Department of Education is taking over Humphreys County and Yazoo City School Districts in the Delta. Both districts are rated F and they are the first two placed under the department's new Achievement School District. The new district will have one central team working to improve chronically underperforming schools. Jamal Wright is superintendent of the new district. He says he's already begun meeting with school staffs. We were very clear that for our our teachers, our principals, and those who work directly with our students each and every day, no one's losing jobs. Wright says current school superintendents can work in another capacity if they choose to stay. Wright is finishing up the school year at Birmingham City Public Schools, where he says they've reduced the number of F-rated schools from 22 to 5 in one year. While he says he doesn't have a prepackaged plan, recruiting and retaining certified teachers tops his agenda. You have to 
have some of your best, strongest teachers in your preschool, kindergarten, first and second grade. It's about building the right type of foundation for kids early. Yazoo City Ward 1 Alderman Robert Johnson says they do need help. It is what it is. I mean, you can't get around it. Talking about it ain't going to get nothing done. I think we've been talking too long. But the program we've been putting in ain't working. Wright is hosting two community meetings this evening in Humphreys County, one in Louise at 5 and in Belzona at 6.30. Desiree Frazier, MPB News. Hundreds of Mississippi residents are remembering a Biloxi police officer shot to death. People gathered Tuesday outside the police station, steps away from where patrolman Robert McKeithen was gunned down Sunday night in the parking lot. Mourners included McKeithen's widow. Darian Atkinson remains jailed without bail after the 19-year-old's arrest Monday on a capital murder charge. A new Mississippi law erases personal debt that some county supervisors were facing for insurance coverage. The law took effect when Governor Phil Bryant signed it April 18th. It allows counties to pay for life insurance and health insurance expenses for dependents of county employees, including retroactive payments. A previous law said any county employee wanting dependent coverage must submit a written request, and the entire cost of that coverage must be paid by the employee. Your Southern Remedy Health Minute is straight ahead. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Young. Does anything say spring more than fresh rhubarb? Yes, but what do you do with it? Here now, resident chef Kathy Gunst has recipes that tame rhubarb's tartness. The thing about rhubarb is that because it's so sour, most people add too much sugar. Mm-hmm. So when you eat rhubarb, all you taste is the sugar. Next time, here and now. Today at noon on MVB Think Radio. Right on Mississippi. PSA Layman. We could all be living other places, but that Mississippi, that thing that made me, like, I just couldn't see or feel any of it when I was up in New York. I needed that spirit. I needed that force. Angie Thomas. I love every time black kids especially come up to me mm-hmm. and they're like, this is the first time I've read a book from beginning to end. This is wow. the first time I've wow. seen myself in a book. Right on Mississippi. A podcast coming May 14th from the Mississippi Book Festival and MPB. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. I have a question about weight loss. I had an A replacement back in 2012, and I wasn't able to be very active. And... um, I moved back to Pascagoula uh, five years ago, and I started losing weight, but in the last six, nine months, it just keeps dropping off me. I've had a CBC. I have had thyroid tested. So I'm just wondering if you can point me anywhere else to check. Uh, A couple of things that can cause weight loss, uh, it sounds like they at least check for it once. Now, I'll, I'll circle back to the thyroid problems. Certainly hypothyroidism can cause weight gain. Uh, or hyperthyroidism can cause weight loss. So those two things can do that, or anything that's speeding up your metabolism. So it doesn't have to be related to the thyroid. The thing about the thyroid is, it, but depending on when the testing was done, it may need to be repeated. So a lot of times we'll repeat a, a thyroid test six to eight weeks after the first one, 
uh, just to get a better picture because it it changes slowly. The TSH changes uh, more quickly, but the free T4, which is sort of the end product, is one that doesn't change as quickly. So I would try that. A liver panel and looking at your liver enzymes too, or looking for other chronic diseases that might be affecting it, uh, that's, that's another good place to look. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the My Blue mobile app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. More information at bcbsms.com. It's good to be blue. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. We spoke earlier about hurricane preparedness, and a new report indicates Mississippi has come a long way in its readiness for extreme weather and other types of emergencies that could threaten public health. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation is releasing its latest National Health Security Preparedness Index. MPB's Tom Wright spoke with Dr. Glenn Mays, who leads the research team that produces the index. Dr. Mays, explain what the preparedness index is and how you produce it. Well, this uh, preparedness index tracks the constellation of activities that are in place for the nation and for individual states that protect people's health and safety uh, in the event of hazardous events, a wide variety of hazardous events, natural disasters, man-made events, uh, uh, disease outbreaks. Um, We're looking at all the things that can keep people healthy and safe when those things happen. Uh, and your findings here indicate Mississippi scored 6.4 in this year's index. How big an improvement uh, was that from the last index in 2013? Mississippi really has seen a dramatic improvement over the six-year period from the uh, 2013 when the index was, was first designed and created. Um, uh, the state has moved from 5.1 to 6.4 on that 10-point scale, which is which is a 26% improvement over six years, much faster rate of improvement than the nation overall. So, so the state is gaining ground significantly on these on these activities. That's good to hear. Still, the uh, 6.4 score, just a little lower than the national average of 6.7. Explain first, if you would. Which areas we improved in over these last six years? Absolutely. So you've seen some of the most dramatic improvements in the surveillance domain, which in that domain we're measuring activities that the state uses to rapidly detect health hazards uh, so that they can respond, the state can respond quickly to them. Disease detection, detecting threats in the environment, in the air, the soil, the water, the food supply. Um, you've seen large improvements in that um, in that domain over uh, over time. What areas, Dr. Mays, uh, do you find uh, we still have need for improvement? There are two areas where the state still falls significantly below the national average and is not, not making as much progress as the nation overall. One is in what's called countermeasure management, which is the ability to 
to um, disseminate protective supplies, equipment, vaccines, and other things rapidly to keep to keep people um, you know, safe and healthy. And that's a place where, uh, again, we like to. Uh, there's there's definitely more more room for improvement for the the state overall. One of the the areas where the state lags a bit behind is actually in the vaccination rate, getting people vaccinated for seasonal influenza, for example. Environmental and occupational health, I see, uh, we're, we're scoring a bit lower than the national average. What are we looking at in terms of environmental and occupational health factors that you're gauging here? So there we're looking at uh, partly the ability to detect uh, hazards in the environment, so doing testing for, for um, the food supply, for testing the water supply for, for threats. Um, and so uh, having, you know, modern and effective laboratory testing uh, facilities and capacities are, um, there are opportunities for the state to improve, um, uh, improve in that area. And also looking at the, the built environment, the infrastructure, the, the uh, safety and integrity of, of um, bridges and of uh, dams. Infrastructure failures can be a cause of, of um, you know, of, of uh, can be a hazard that can threaten people's health. If there are, we've seen we've seen uh, dam, you know, some high-profile examples across the country of dams, uh, you know, uh, causing pro- flooding and, um, and and other problems. They, or for you know bridges bridges collapsing, or bridges becoming inaccessible, you know, for you know emergency evacuation and response. So so those are our physical our, our infrastructure is also an important element of. Uh, of being prepared for these kind of hazards. This report notes that Mississippi is in a cluster of below average scores in the south central part of the country. Why does our region seem to be lagging in general, do you find? I think it's really a, uh, an unfortunate constellation of factors. One is, you, you know this, your region is, uh, is hard hit by, um, by a number of, of hazards, uh, hurricanes, flooding, um, other kinds of events, and so you have to your your region has to spend a lot of re- resources recovering from these events, and those are dollars and people and time that you can't spend preparing uh, if you're if you're recovering. And so I think that's that's part of the challenge. Regions that are hard hit by these uh, these areas by these kinds of um, events, um, it's more challenging to to do the up, upfront planning and preparation when you have to spend so much of your effort and resources um, recovering. Finally, what would you recommend uh, for a state such as Mississippi that's clearly showing some improvement uh, in this sort of index, but uh, still has ways to go? I would recommend for Mississippi to uh, continue to to emphasize um, uh, ways that the state can bring different organizations together to better plan, coordinate, and communicate. If, if, If nothing else, uh, you can build stronger relationships across governmental agencies, between governmental agencies and your healthcare sector, and the, and pr- the private sector, industry, and, and employers. Those those relationships are critically important and a major source um, for you know supporting long long term improvements over time. So that's that's an area that I would really emphasize um, for for states like Mississippi. Okay, Dr. Glenn May is professor with the University of Kentucky, director of the National Health Security Preparedness Index Program. Dr. Mays, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. 
Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10, it's Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online by visiting mpbonline.org. You can also download the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores, or you can subscribe to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. This is MBB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission.